interestingly enough, my work has or is, has always been, I think, <laughs> outside of systems. Um, yet, my work has always been to bring people together in a way that we can work as an organism, right? As a community, maybe the word collective. Um, I kind of like the word organism. And uh, ever since my kids were little, I actually raised them outside of certain systems. So I opted into the organisms that I wanted them to be part of that I found to be healthy organisms. And I opted out of other systems or organisms that were not healthy. And I actually even started to do that when I was a teenager. So let me digress just for a minute. When I was um, in high school, I realized there was something intensely unhealthy in the environment that I was in, in the high school that I was attending. Um, and I opted out of that high school and I switched high schools to a place that I had no place. I had no role, whether it be geek, loser, brain, popular, whatever those false um, labels or roles that are put on, that can be put on people of that age in that sort of system or tribe, I guess, tribe without an elder sometimes. <laughs> Um, but I opted out of that because it was, like I said, extremely unhealthy. And um, there was a lot of uncertainty. I mean, when you get initiated into a community uh, or when you move up in the, um, or through, I guess, move toward, you know, this mentorship or eldership, you start off as a new initiate. And it wasn't a welcoming experience. It was... It was an experience full of strife and uncertainty and fear. And there was just, you could get comfortable knowing your ways around the halls, but there was no safety in the interaction of the others within those halls. And so I didn't want to find a place there actually anymore. I decided that I was going to opt out of that very unhealthy organism um, that environment, and I decided to switch schools. So I did that, and I spent a lot of time alone for the first six months. Started to get to know some people. I knew some other people from, you know, when I was younger in a different school, but I had no role or place with them yet until my, you know, so, uh, the next year, really, my grade 11 year. And um, I tell you this story because I did, and eventually find my place but nobody found that for me and I had to find that place and how I what my roles were within my friendship structures and groups of friends um, that all sort of there were many of them uh, I had to find that by finding myself and I, I had to actually spend some time alone it was almost like being you know ousted into the the wilderness and then being coming back with this wisdom and, and sharing it with your community. Now, the system I'm actually talking about is the school system. And the school system is set up uh, to, I suppose, maybe replace. It's supposed to supplement, but in, in many cases it doesn't. It, it, 
it um, the, some people who are in the administration or sometimes even in the teaching roles, sometimes the parents want this to happen. Sometimes the kids feel like this is all they, they can experience and that's the only choice they have is for the school to take over the role of education. Now, maybe that was what it was intended to be in the industrial age, you know, when we first started to um, need people to work like good workers in a factory. And that was one of the, that's one of the history, one of the uh, elements of the history of the education system. Um, we could look at it as a noble pursuit to um, allow people or give access, people access to information they might not have had otherwise. Um, yet what's happening is that we are replacing our intuition and the teaching of our youth within our own communities and with our own families with an institutionalized system that cannot um, replicate just the natural passing on of knowledge, the natural um, pursuit of answers of a curious person who is engaged in their learning process. It can't uh, replace the desire for lifelong learning, and often it will stifle that. <clears throat> Sometimes it'll, <clears throat> excuse me, snuff it out entirely. So I opted out of that system with my own children uh, for those reasons, uh, because literally we, we talk about surviving high school, the intense stress of high school, uh, we talk about surviving, you know, the um, studying and the cramming. And and if we reflect, I'm not sure how much we really come out of that experience by way of education and knowledge, except learning about maybe the um, ins and outs or the places where society is actually quite unwell <laughs> in some ways. All right. So... Um, this podcast that you're about to listen to isn't all about uh, the school system, but it is about how we can look at those systems these, that we have created um, in an objective way and unpack them and then see how perhaps the pursuit or the noble um, goal of, you know, why certain people are opting into those systems or the, I guess, logistics, you know, like, got to put my kid in school because I have to work. I have to work because I have to make money. All those things. Looking at those objectively and, and with compassion, yet seeing what there could be, right? That what, what, what systems and organisms we can opt into and be part of. And what I'm talking about there is community, family, um, those organisms in order to reach the goals of belonging, of um, safety, of, you know, evolution of the self, of being part of our communities and societies so that we can be, you know, a constructive part, like a, a, someone who has a purpose in those roles that we can choose to take up. So I hope that wasn't too much rambling, but uh, that's my little preamble for this next this podcast you'll be uh, you're about to listen to, and how very important uh, the family is in the individual pursuit of greatness. Welcome to the Family Health Revolution podcast with Coach Carla Atherton. 
where she discovers, uncovers, explores, and reveals the secrets to true family health and wellness. So today, I think I've already said this in the intro, but I'm going to be talking about healing our families, opting out of systems, remembering the family. And there's a hyphen between re and membering because um, <laughs> I love that play. If you, if you hear any of this anywhere else, I mean, there's a reason for it because I think a lot of people that are talking in these terms and, and re-examining language and using language in new ways because we are reclaiming... Um, remembering we are unearthing we are doing all these things to change a consciousness so what we're doing what we're doing by using that word remembering is that we are putting back together what already exists we're making the connections of the web we're seeing that um there already is a whole. And when we fragment it, we become unhappy and we become disharmonious. And we create fragments when we really are but fractals. And fractals are literally different ways to see the whole. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I'm taking you out to space here. Okay. This is what I'm doing. But when it comes to remembering the family, um, it's to recognize the importance of the family. It's to put back the family into its rightful place and construction in the field, in our field of being, um, where it feels not right as in right or wrong, but just right as in, yes, this is how it goes. Kids don't take care of their parents. Um, well, unless they're older and that, that's sort of a shifting of roles, but in the field of things, children, you know, the parents, they take care of the kids and the kids and on and on and on. Um, we have like, you know, the family has a, a unit, has a place. And this is where the younger people find their sense of safety and not only safety but a place where they can grow um not in a container that is confining but in it but contained in that they have an anchor and so are a touchstone to always come back to when they feel out of sorts when they feel out of alignment when they feel disharmonious when they feel alone disconnected, severed from source. And at that point, family represents the source of where we all came from, right? Like where, what, how we were created first, I mean, biologically mother, father, but also in, uh, in how we were, how we evolved throughout our lives, through our childhood experiences. And the aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins, that siblings, parents, obviously, that are were part of our lives and, and shaped our experience. And then us as individuals come to the table with our own individual being 
and we contribute to that system in such an exponential way and we can't even really unpack and and I don't even I don't even want to start being reductionist about what that what this is and what this piece is and what this piece is and la na na but I want to see that system I want to show you the parts just so that you can see how beautifully expansive and limitless that system really is and so when we remember the family um, I, I kind of think a lot about Mary Pfeiffer when she, with her book, The Shelter of Each Other, that, that title for me of that book is just like, it hits me right in the heart, you know, the shelter of each other. And I think the most difficult memories I have when my children were young like, I guess you could say raising when we were raising our children. I think the most difficult memories I have of that time is where I wasn't the shelter for my family. And I don't mean as in like sheltering as in don't let our children experience the world. And that's certainly not what Mary Pfeiffer meant. She mean, she meant there is this... um. And not even necessarily safety in the family, but origin and belonging and connection. Even when our families are not so, quote unquote, functional, quote unquote, healthy, quote unquote, perfect. I think most families are fairly messy. Um, and this is, th there are exceptions, of course, like there are really uh, families that are exceptionally unhealthy and individuals need to find a new family in their friends, in their spouses, families, um, you know, in their community that they have chosen to be part of, etc. So family can take on a lot of different meanings and um, configurations and they can be of blood and not blood. Um, and so I think, you know, even to kind of expand the word family a little more, what we might even be talking about is really the notion of being a soul pod, <laughs> right? Like these souls have come together to become the shelter of each other, to experience something in this existence together um, in a meaningful way that we don't always know what that meaning is at least not in its full expression, in its entirety. And I don't think we really ever can, which is sort of like a beautiful letting go. Like we know that we're just here in this soul pod and we're experiencing life together, whether you annoy me today or not, or whether, you know, we live in the same house or not, or whether we always get along or whether we're completely like inseparable if we you know if we're still working on this relationship or whatever that might be that's just our configuration and really I don't know if there's destiny certainly not fate <laughs> I think destiny uh turning fate which is like this is gonna be like this no matter what you do um more into destiny where there is choice and chance and um you know, like all kinds of factors that factor into um, a life, you know, as an individual and as a, as a person in a family, uh, as a family member. But um, it's like, 
really just being able to let go and be part of that experience. And what Mary Pfeiffer was saying in her book was that the, it's it's really important to work on those core relationships rather than, you know, rejecting them if we're not quote unquote perfect. And I think actually we could be a lot healthier for one thing if our culture was healthier, but we can still flip that around and really pay attention to our families and um, make our own core families healthier and better connected and as a launch pad into the world and we influence the world we start to change the consciousness of the rest of the world simply by uh, strengthening healing remembering our own families on that smaller core level Another thing I want to say um, about that, oh, one more more thing before I move on. I love the work of Dr. Gordon Neufeld, and he wrote a book called Hold On to Your Kids, and Gabor Maté helped him with the writing of that book. But I think that the premise and the ideas and the, you know, structure and the the philosophies, everything, you know, was, was mainly Dr. Newfelds, but someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But I remember seeing him give us a talk at a homeschool conference we went to when my son, who is now 24, he was seven years old at the time. And I have his assigned copy. No, he was nine. Mm, now I'm thinking, I'm trying to think the copy was signed in 2007. Okay. I think that was the time. So I have a signed copy from Dr. Neufeld and I remember sitting in his, in the audience and just being like, not blown away, but so inspired. And I guess you could say blown away. So inspired by how he strutted back and forth on that stage in that little conference in Saskatoon, um, talking about holding on to your kids. And he's not talking about vice grips and he's not talking about helicopter parenting and he's not talking about control, cajoling, manipulating, you know, I'm the parent, you're the child, I'm big, you're little, there's nothing you can do about it, Matilda style, (laughs) you know, like none of that. What he meant was that he was talking about why parents are more important than peers. And what, what really struck me was that he was saying that if you are the way, if you are, you know, doing your own work, he didn't say it in so many words, but this is what I would, why I would, uh, you know, um, what words I would use. If you're doing your work and if you are leading your children uh, confidently and you walk the talk and you connect where they are feeling heard and seen and um, they are attached, to use the word attached, and I, and not, again, not in an unhealthy way, but attached to you. And I like to look at it as a tether. Um, that's not a good word. An anchor, right? An anchor. If they're anchored in you, then they can just go, not wild, but allow the wind to take them here, there. They are adventuring. They are exploring their world. They are becoming adults as they experience their life. And they will again, you're their touchstone, you're their anchoring space. They are, it gives them, makes, has them make sense of this world because they have you 
also them knowing you're not perfect. Like in Mary Pfeiffer's work, we're not perfect. And parents are actually parenting themselves, as Naomi Aldorf would say. We're not parenting our children. And when our children have discomfort, dis-ease, um, strong emotions, they're not broken. They're not troubled children. They're not our problem kids. They are having their own human experience just as we are. And if we look at what we go through and what we do in life, and we first have to be aware of that, not judge ourselves for that, and not our, judge our children and be able to see, hey, man, we're all in this human experience. And I'm not better and they're not less just because I'm the parent and they're the child. So this again is remembering the family. It is healing our families, like healing what wounds have been inflicted, I suppose, from these, I guess, maybe some sort of conditioning from birth in our Western culture, um, fragmenting the family in favor of systems that are mistakenly seen as better or more important than or that trump our family system, such as the school system, uh, the medical system, the political system, the, you know, like, which is governmental, um, the foster system, the social systems. Uh, how many times have you said or been told, and just observe this, this is not a judgment, and just observe this. Being in the, so, in the school system, for instance, anytime you have said, um, the teacher said, you know, we've got to have you at school at nine, so, and you've gone through like hell because that kid is having trouble sleeping or, you know, they're having some kind of anxiety about something. Somebody might have passed away in their life, something. I don't know what. Could have been anything. Could be anything. But parents are running around trying to appease a system that is actually supposed to be built to support you. How did that happen? Or like an example in the medical system, the doctor said, I can't do that. Well, there's an element of education perhaps there that's like a suggestion like that might hurt you or something, but to outsource your health to an outside system is like a twisted version of what that system was supposed to be there for in the first place, which again is a service for the public to go to should they need their support, which is um, an emergency-like kind of care, not maintenance or prevention because it wasn't built to be so. And so when we are born into a system's um, environment or culture that has sort of pushed aside the family, the um, as a unit, as well as elders and um, wise wisdom keepers, as one of my friends likes to say, props to Lisa, wisdom keepers, um, mentors, pushed all that aside and replaced them with... Um, I guess, like systems that aren't always serving us and encouraging the outsourcing of our 
own empowerment, our own decision-making that needs to stay within our own families. So moving back into community, into people that know each other, because it's only when you know and love each other that you have that person's first best best interest at heart, but also know what is best for you and the people you care for. You're the one that knows. And again, looking at the family as the touchstone, as the place and the source of education, because another example is when we say, oh, I can't teach my children. I don't know enough. Well, you're their parent. I mean, if we pull out these sort of fake systems, which are, they are um, layered over our natural instincts and knowledge and wisdom base um, that is, has traditionally been, and, and rightfully so, passed on from generation to generation. This is how we pass on knowledge. Um, and for parents to say, I don't know how to teach my children. Well, you do it every day. <laughs> you do it every day. You get up and you brush teeth and your kids go, hey, mom's brushing her teeth. I'm going to brush my teeth. And mom says, well, you know, the little one says, mom, why do you brush your teeth? Well, I brush my teeth because I want them to be clean. I don't want to have bad breath. I want to keep my teeth healthy and feels good and, it, and it's maintenance and it's taking care of me. And so we teach our kids constantly, all day long, whether we know it or not whether we are like attempting to give a certain lesson, if we're attempting to like, I guess, connect with them, if we are responding to them and their questions, um, all of that is the parent's responsibility, and I mean ability to respond, as well as their privilege. And I mean, we have children to... I think, at least my kids, to experience life with them. Like, I, I don't feel I have to teach my kids anything. I don't feel like I have to be with them. And I had to take them grocery shopping when they were little. And I had to take them to the library. And I had to do this and that. We, gotta t- we, we must get rid of that thinking if, if we go there at all. Because our children are gifts. And they are no way burdens. And if we feel that way, we need to see where we are lacking. Are our cups full? Were we ready? And if we weren't, how can we shift into seeing the the gratitude in this relationship, in this honor to live and walk this life with this soul pod of ours? And my goal in my life, in my motherhood, in in remembering my own family and healing my own family of a lot of, <laughs> you know, stuff um, that has transpired over the years and over the generations. My goal is really to become more conscious, more aware, more free of not only the past, but also of um, the cultural grip that it has on me and my, that it can have on me and my children. 
and then move into the wisdom that we will see very clearly once we can clear away all that debris. All right, so I hope you enjoyed this session about healing our families, opting out of systems, remembering the family. And um, we're going to do more. And again, as I have been saying in, at the end of each podcast, get on my newsletter list. My um, websites are under this session in the show notes. You can also find a link to my Patreon membership where you always get alerted to new work that I've been producing, maybe some audio coaching, some videos, some calls to action, uh, community support, conversation, um, even some creative work that I'm going to be putting out, uh, you know, throughout the months, the years, whatever. So just keep your finger on this work. And I would love to keep exploring all of these topics with you, especially if you are on a mission like I am, to put this stuff back into perspective, to change a consciousness out of I can't into I can and, um, you know, and, and from I will into I am, you know, we're not waiting until tomorrow. We're we're literally changing this consciousness consciousness now in so that our children can have a healthy world to live in. All right. Peace out. This podcast is sponsored by the Healthy Family Formula, which essentially means that we share our information for free. For more support, community, audio coaching, full episodes, bi-monthly live Q&A, discounts on our group coaching programs, and more, become a patron of my work at www.patreon.com slash Carla Atherton. For more information about anything related to family health, do pick up my book, Family Health Revolution, and check out our newsletter, blog, individual and group coaching programs, and practitioner training program at Healthy Family Formula and CarlaAthertonInspired.com. Find us on Instagram at Coach Carla Atherton and on Clubhouse at Empowered Family. Please note that Family Health Revolution podcast is not a source for diagnosis or medical treatment, but is the opinion of the host. This podcast is intended to empower people with information so they can make the best health decisions for themselves. It is up to each person to listen to their inner wisdom, consider the information they deem to be accurate and applicable to their individual situation, and consult with their trusted healthcare providers if they so choose when making any decisions regarding their own health or the health of their loved ones. Each person's health is their own responsibility. Mm-hmm.